Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon text for this morning's meditation is recorded for us in the Gospel of St. Luke, the fourth chapter, verses 14 through 21. To bring us back to that text, I'd like to read just the final two verses for you once again. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began to tell them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Lord, these are your words, and therefore they are your truth. We ask that you'd increase our faith through them. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, what is the most remarkable, amazing, or memorable thing that you've ever seen in church? For myself as a pastor, I've heard many stories about things that have happened in church, sometimes accidents, sometimes strange and peculiar things, sometimes interesting illustrations. Some that that kind of have piqued my interest or come to the forefront of my mind and memory. I think of a story that my uncle told me while he was preaching at Mount Olive one morning. It was a, a sunny summer day and they had the doors open so they could let the fresh air in. And apparently, while he was in the midst of his sermon, his voice traveled throughout the doors outside so that his dog at the parsonage heard it. Sure enough, the dog came into the sanctuary in the midst of the sermon. The ushers had to kind of corral him and things. Kind of memorable thing, right? Or I think about a friend of mine who told me about an end-time sermon that he preached once in which he decided to use a prop, and in the midst of his sermon, to show people the suddenness of the possibility of Christ coming at any time, he blew a bullhorn. He certainly said it woke up the entire church. Everyone was at the edge of their seat, wondering what's going on. There are very memorable things, amazing things, remarkable things that can happen in church. Maybe you have your own stories you can think about, things that have happened. But when we think about our text for today, Nothing really compares to this, right? The amazing thing that those people saw in the sanctuary that day. It was just an ordinary Sabbath day for the most part. People came to church or to the synagogue as they usually did. Maybe perhaps one thing of interest, though, is there was a well-known figure there. In fact, a son of the congregation who came to preach that day. Certainly many people must have known about his arrival and coming. They've also heard the word about Jesus and who he is and what sort of great teacher he was. Maybe people came that day wondering if they would hear an interesting message from this really respectable preacher. But none of them would expect what happened. See, as Jesus was there in the synagogue, as he got up and read from the scroll handed to him, he picked a very peculiar section of scripture, a very difficult one, as he read from the prophet Isaiah these words. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Certainly there must have been people that day wondering about this curious selection. Oh, that's a difficult text. A a text written in the first person? Is this Isaiah speaking, or is this God speaking, or is this someone else? And what about this reference to himself as the anointed one? What could this mean? 
As their eyes are glued on him, as Jesus rolls up the scroll, hands it to the attendant, and sits down, everybody's waiting with bated breath for him to now explain that difficult text to them. And this is what he says. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He drops a bombshell on them. A revelation greater than Clark Kent telling people that he's Superman, right? He's, re- he's really saying that he is the Messiah, the one that they've been looking forward to. He's here right then and there before their very eyes. The people are stunned by all of this, wondering what to make out of it. Yes, we certainly see something amazing that took place amongst those people there in Nazareth. As they saw the Messiah presented and revealed right before their very eyes. Not just that, but also the message that he brings to them. The message of, of release. The message of good news to the poor. The message of sight for the blind. The message of the year of the Lord's favor. So today we consider an amazing thing that happens in church. Really the coming of the Messiah and also the proclamation of good news. Well, to have been there that day in that assembly, what would we have thought? What would we have said? How would we have responded to all of this? If you would have asked any of the people there that day, did they believe that there was a Messiah that was coming, that God was going to send the Savior? I'm sure every one of them there would have said, yes, we believe what God's word says. The Messiah is coming. But for it to actually happen, it was a completely different thing. Maybe a comparison for us in this modern day is to think about this. Each and every one of us claims that we believe what God's word says. We believe what God's word says concerning the second coming and judgment day that Jesus is going to one day return visibly in glory before our very eyes. But for it to actually happen, that would be incredible. That would be amazing. It'd be unfathomable. It'd be surreal, right? It'd be a collision between biblical truth and our modern day, right? It's hard to even imagine that taking place. Yet that's really what happens for the people there in the synagogue that day. This one that they've been looking forward to, trusting God's word of promise, he's here? He's among them? What? How can this be? We also hear what Jesus says of himself. As he reads that scroll from Isaiah, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He very specifically there refers to himself as anointed. And that's very important for us to understand. Because with that, he's really saying he is the Messiah, the Christ. If you remember those words, Messiah and Christ, they both mean anointed one. And how was Jesus anointed? Well, just two weeks ago, if you recall, we read that very familiar section of Scripture concerning Jesus' baptism. And it says in God's word that right after he is baptized in the Jordan River, the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. The Apostle Peter connects the baptism of Jesus to this anointing in this way when he says in Acts 10, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. 
You see, Jesus was, in fact, the anointed one, the Messiah of God, anointed by him, God who had given him the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. As the people even saw it at the Jordan River, the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. This was God's chosen one to carry out his mission, his work of salvation. And now as he tells the people, he's present right there before their very eyes. Perhaps maybe we wish we would have been there that day. What would that have been like to actually see Jesus, to be in his presence, to hear Jesus preach? It's interesting that Jesus says that he doesn't just appear as he did 2,000 years ago. But in fact, he makes his presence known. He comes among us even today. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus said this, In fact, wherever two or three have gathered together in my name, there I am among them. Isn't that interesting? Whenever we gather in this place, whenever we gather to praise our God and to hear his word, Jesus is here. I think sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we can go to church thinking, oh hum, I guess it's just another day of going to church. I guess I I better go. Maybe hoping to ourselves, well, maybe something interesting will happen to break the monotony. Maybe the pastor will slip up in some way, or, or maybe at least he'll tell some sort of interesting story to grab our attention. Something exciting will happen. But the reality is every Sunday, an amazing thing happens. Jesus comes into our presence. He is with us right here. We are in the presence of our Lord and Savior. And furthermore, he brings to us that same message, that same good news that he brought to the people in the synagogue that day as well. It's that day Jesus declared, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And it wasn't just fulfilled concerning the truth that he was the Messiah, but concerning what the Messiah does and the good news that he brings. As he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Quite amazing things he proclaims. Good news for the poor, sight for the blind, release for those in captivity, the year of the Lord's favor. I'm guessing that many people in that audience that day, upon hearing those words, would have related them to something else, something well known to them in the Old Testament scriptures, the year of Jubilee. In the Old Testament, as God lays down his Ten Commandments for his people, he instructs them to keep the Sabbath day or to keep the day of rest holy. As he describes for them that they are to work for six days, but on the seventh day it is to be a day of rest, a day of no work, also a day in which they are to remember their sinfulness, but also to remember God's grace and salvation. Oh, he saved his people. Not only this, for the children of Israel, God also gave them further ceremonial law. As he instructed them that they were to also, every seventh year, have a Sabbath year. And on that year, they weren't to till their fields, they weren't to plant them, they weren't to make money off of what came from, but simply live off the land. 
And every seven, seven-year period, so after every 49 years, during the 50th year, it was a very special year called the Year of Jubilee. And that year was incredible because it wasn't just a year of arrest, but a year of celebration, a year that meant so much, especially to those that were downtrodden, those that were poor, those that were in debt, because it was that year that a family's land, if they had to sell their property to cover their debts over the course of the previous 50 years, their property would re- be returned back to their family. It was in that year if someone had sold themselves and their family into indenturement, into servitude, that they now would be set free from that slavery, from that service, free to go. What an amazing year. A year to look forward to, especially those oppressed, especially those in bondage and in slavery. What Jesus proclaims here is something far greater than simply paying off earthly debts. What he describes here is good news for those who are poor in spirit, those who recognize the guilt and weight of their sin. He proclaims sight for those who have been blinded by the God of this age to see their Savior. He proclaims release for those that are slaves and in bondage to sin, a year of the Lord's favor upon us. Quite an amazing truth that he brings to his people that day. You see, God in his word says this, For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. He says in his word, The soul who sins shall die. He says in his word, the Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. He describes there mankind's bondage to sin, doesn't he? Slavery to sin. It's something that we even experience in our own lives, don't we? As we see it. Sometimes if we've fallen into a sin again and again and again, and we know it's wrong, and we promise God, I'll never do it again. God, in fact, if I ever commit that sin again, punish me for that sin. And yet we do it. We do that same sin again and again and again. We see that we, as much and as hard as we try to get out of it, we can't. We see our bondage and slavery to that sinful nature there. Yet Jesus comes to proclaim good news, release. It's perhaps hard for us to imagine what it would be like to be a slave. Maybe we can think of slavery in our country 150 years ago and beyond. How miserable of an existence that would be, right? To be forced to do the, the hardest of labor imaginable. To not be able to do what you wanted, to not have freedom, to not have hope, to be mistreated and abused, how terrible that existence would truly be. But the reality is slavery wasn't just something that existed 150 years ago and beyond, but it exists in our world even today. There are many people in slavery, in bondage, even in our own country. We think about those stories that we hear almost every year, stories of a young woman kidnapped by some man who locks her in his basement or locks her in some room in his house or out in the shed. And he abuses her and he mistreats her for decades, decades sometimes. 
How terrible of an existence that would be. Not having any hope, being locked in, in, in bondage to endure such terrible things. Think of one such, such story that especially has stuck in my mind after hearing many of them over the, the course of the years. It's a story that's probably many, very familiar to many of you as well. It's that story of that girl by the name of Amanda Berry. And those two other girls, Gina De Jesus and also Michelle Knight. As if you remember the story of those girls, they were kidnapped at a very young age. And their kidnapper kept them in bondage for 10 years. Imagine that. Locked up, locked away in his house as they were abused, as they were raped time and time again. Such suffering, such bondage, no hope. Until one day their kidnapper forgot to lock the front door leading out into the porch. He locked the porch tight on the outside, but the doors between he had forgotten to lock. And Amanda Berry that day was able to get out into the porch. And as she was there, she could see out the windows, and she saw a neighbor standing there. And she started screaming at the top of her lungs to get his attention. The man didn't speak English, but he understood that something was wrong, and another neighbor quickly came to help, and they busted a hole into the storm door on the porch to let her and her child free. They got out. Soon afterwards, she makes a 911 call to the police in which she declared, help me. I've been kidnapped and I've been missing for 10 years and I'm here, I'm free now. And the police show up. They come and they bust down the door and they also release the other two girls that were trapped in that house. It is reported that one of the girls embraced the police officers and she just kept saying over and over again, you saved me. You saved me. You saved me. To think about that, that release from bondage, that release from captivity after all of those years, after having no hope, after all that terrible mistreatment, now freedom and release. God really brings to us something even greater than this. The good news of release from our bondage to sin, death, and hell. The tortures of everything that our sins deserved that he brings to us the assurance that our sins are washed away. They are forgiven in the blood of the Lamb, forgiven in the Messiah who has come to make things right with God, to declare the year of the Lord's favor to us, that we are no longer under God's wrath and punishment, but we are free from our bondage to sin. Christ has freed us and brought to us God's favor, that God no longer is angry with us, but he is well pleased with us because of his Son, who has paid for all of our sins. Talk about amazing things that take place in church. Certainly we can think of those very memorable stories that happen. God really does an incredible and amazing thing every week in this place. As Jesus comes into our midst, as he is here, as he declares to you and to me the good news of salvation, that freedom from sin that he has won for us as he declares to us the year of the Lord's favor. Just come regularly to this place and rejoice in that amazing thing that happens here as we see our Savior and as we hear his good news. Amen. Invite the congregation to please rise. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be forevermore. Amen.